Let us pray. And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, This woman said unto me, Give thy son, that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. 2 Kings 6.28 Heavenly Father, when difficult moments arise, keep my heart and my mind steadfast on you. I will not lose focus on what is important, but instead I will keep my heart and my thoughts centered on you and your word. I will not allow the drought of this world to cause me to compromise my beliefs and devour the promise that you have given me. I will not allow emotion from challenges to cause me to harm others in my life simply because I'm upset or I don't have the answers I desire. Instead, open my life up and bless me with supernatural abundance and provision like you did for the lepers in 2 Kings 6.24-7.20. As you do, give me the access to tell others where your blessings are flowing so that they too may be free from seasons of lack and despair. In Jesus' name, amen. Listening to these daily prayers strengthens your relationship with God. Continue hearing from the Lord by listening to today's Bible in a Year. Brought to you by BibleInAYear.com Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, believes that we're endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. GCU believes in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. GCU equips you to serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. Change the world for good by putting others before yourself to glorify God. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's online, on-campus, and hybrid learning environments are designed to help you achieve your unique academic, personal, and professional goals. With over 330 academic programs as of September 2023, GCU meets you where you are and provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Let it flourish. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Famine in Samaria In our last story, we saw Elisha avoid the wrath of the armies of Aram. The Lord confused them and lured them into a trap by blinding them to the identity of Elisha. He led them into the capital of Israel, where they were at the mercy of the king's army. However, instead of killing them, they showed mercy. As a result, Aram and Israel lived at peace with one another. Now we hear about one of the darkest stories in Israel's history, a story of a famine so harsh that people were forced into the greatest sin anyone could commit. Yet even in this, moments of redemption are awaiting Israel, inspired by the book of 2 Kings. This is Jack Graham with today's episode of the Bible in a Year podcast. In the last reading, We heard how God blinded the soldiers of Aram who had surrounded Elisha the prophet. 
Elisha had seen God's army, his angel army there to protect him, and had not wavered in his faith despite the enemy at his doorstep. We then saw how God worked through Elisha to bring peace between Israel and Aram, as the Israelis showed mercy and kindness to the enemy and did not kill even when doing so would have been very easy and within their rights. Today we'll turn to an event that's truly hard to understand, a famine so intense and a people so desperate that they turn to unspeakable acts and commit grievous sin in a desperate attempt to stay alive. So let's listen now to this reading from God's Word. Israel enjoyed a brief moment of peace and prosperity. Conflict with the Arameans had ceased, and all seemed well. However, evil lurked in the darkness beyond the borders of Israel. Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, had planned a deadly insurgence on Samaria, the capital of Israel. The shining jewel of a once prosperous nation crumbled under the boot of Syria's vast army. Women were taken as prostitutes and slaves. Men were murdered on the battlefield, and children were left without homes. Even worse, the armies of Syria made its home less than a hundred miles away to raid Israel again and again. As a result, Samaria fell into a famine unlike any in its history. Samaria wept like a broken and dying orphan. Hunger lingered like a dull blade lodged in someone's stomach. Even the king himself walked the city streets with pain and hunger. Food became so scarce that a donkey's head sold for over 80 shekels of silver. Dove's dung was sold as food for five shekels. The children of Israel were driven to madness, too hungry and thirsty to think rationally or selflessly. With the hunger came chaos. One morning, the king was walking among the city near the border wall. His lungs filled up with dust, and his lips were parched from lack of water. He looked at his people. The pain of seeing them die slowly was greater than the hunger pains in his stomach. To make matters worse, there was no way to defend against Syrian attack, since his soldiers were starved. He would have cried, but his body was devoid of water. He could not spare a single tear. The king leaned against the wall and surveyed his broken kingdom. As he was stumbling through the city, he heard a shout. Help, my lord! The king turned to see a woman. The woman looked as if she was once very beautiful. However, hunger took away her color. Her once dark and healthy hair was thin and gray. Her eyes reflected great pain and sorrow. She was, in many ways, a perfect image of the state of Israel. The king shook his head in despair. How could I help you? If the Lord has not helped us, how on earth could I possibly aid you? The king's voice choked up. He felt helpless. His people needed him, and he could do nothing but despair alongside them. He looked up at her. She looked completely broken. Her thin frame was trembling in its place. Her frail face looked up at the king with longing and helplessness. The king sighed. What is your need? he asked. We ate him, she said. There was a pause for a moment. The king's heart grew heavier as she watched the woman crumble with grief. My neighbor and I agreed to eat our sons, our babies. The words seemed almost like a cruel joke, but the woman spoke with complete seriousness. We agreed to eat my son yesterday and her son today. So we boiled my child and ate him. 
and now the woman and her boy are nowhere to be found. The darkness of her words shrouded the king in sorrow. Righteous anger welled up inside him. His fist pressed against the wall, and he tore his clothes. He did not blame the woman for what she did, nor did he blame the other woman for leaving with her son to save him. The king blamed only one man for all this suffering. He blamed the man of God. He blamed Elisha. May God put me to death if I do not have Elisha's head falling from his shoulders by the end of the day. So the king sent out his commander to Elisha to lure him in so he might be murdered. Elisha sat in his home surrounded by the elders of Israel. The men were standing beside a fire. No food, no wine, no water. Before the commander approached the house, Elisha spoke to the elders quietly. The king has dispatched a murderer to slay me. When he comes, shut the door and hold it against him. His master will not be far behind. As he was speaking, a knocking was heard from the front of the house. The king's commander was behind the door, doing his best to seem harmless and well-intentioned. He heard no response from the house, so he knocked again. Nothing. After waiting for a long while, he tried to enter the home to no avail. The commander was angry now and yelled through the door, This plague is from the Lord. Why should I wait on him any longer for help? His outburst confirmed Elisha's theory. People blamed God and him for their troubles. In reality, it was the Syrians. But any time discomfort or pain was experienced, people believed it must have been the spiteful playing of an angry God. Elisha approached the door and spoke calmly through it. Hear the word of God. Tomorrow at about this time, flour, barley, and gold will flow through the gate of Samaria. Ha! the captain explained. Has the Lord finally made windows in heaven to see our plight and send favors? he asked. His words were spiteful and filled with cynicism. Hear me, Elisha said again. You shall see it all with your own eyes, but you will taste none of it yourself. With those words, the commander left, filled with doubt, frustration, and hunger. Meanwhile, at the edge of the gate of Samaria, there were four lepers resting in the shade of the mighty wall. Not only were their bodies outwardly wasting away from their disease, but their inward parts were being consumed by hunger. Lepers were not allowed in the city for fear of the disease spreading, so they were doomed to rot outside the gates. One of them looked to the distance beyond Israel. Pillars of smoke could be seen where the Syrian camp was. Why are we just sitting here until our inevitable deaths, he said. If we stay, we die of hunger. If you go into the city, we die of hunger or stoning. He sighed and looked back at the horizon. But if we go to the Syrian camp, maybe they will have pity on us and give us food. Or they will just kill us and will die, leaving us no worse off than we were before. The plan seemed rational. So the four lepers limped their way towards the Syrian camp. It was twilight, and darkness had just begun to cover the empty skies. The lepers drew closer to the camp, expecting bonfires and torches to illuminate the path. Instead, all they saw was darkness. Coals were burning off the last of their heat and pits. Food, weapons, and supplies were thrown around as if they had been dropped in a hurry. The camp itself was completely empty of any Syrians. As it turned out, earlier that day the Lord had sent a confusing wind to rush through the canyons beyond the Syrian camp. 
Thunderous noises burst through the valley beside them, giving the illusion of a great army approaching. Out of fear of ambush, the Syrians left in a hurry, leaving all their plunders, horses, food, and tents behind. The lepers could barely contain their excitement. They immediately filled their bellies with food, wine, and water. They ransacked the camp for all valuables, gold, silver, and flour. All of a the sudden, these four forgotten lepers were the richest men in Israel. They took the mules and packed them with flour, barley, gold, and water. Then they hid them for themselves. As they were unpacking the mules, a gentle nudge of God's Spirit came upon them. All of a the sudden, their eyes were opened to what they were doing. This isn't right, they said. We ought to share this good news with the king, so all can enjoy this blessing. It was still dark, but the lepers wasted no time. They ran towards the gatekeeper and told him everything. He ran to the king and woke him up. When the king heard of this, he leapt to his feet in excitement. However, a rush of skepticism followed. How do we know this isn't a trap? he asked himself. So the king sent two horsemen to scout the area and make sure the Syrians had truly left. On their travels they saw remnants of Syrian clothing, weapons, and jewelry, proof that they had left in haste. So all the people were given permission to storm the Syrian camp and finally find food. Silently and subtly, the Lord provided for the needs of his people. The people were ravenous and rejoiced in the taste of fresh food for the first time in months. They returned to Samaria with the spoils. The crowd was so large that they posed a danger to the city gates. So the king appointed his commander to oversee the gates. He stood at attention and watched the tidal wave of people approaching with flour and barley. The commander's heart sank as he remembered the words of Elisha. Hear the word of God. Tomorrow at about this time, flour, barley, and gold will flow through the gate of Samaria. The words echoed in his mind as he watched the people approach with more flour, barley, and gold than he had seen in his life. But then he remembered what Elisha said afterwards. You shall see it all with your own eyes, but you will taste none of it yourself. As those words resonated in his memory, the sea of people crashed upon the city gates. The commander did his best to stop them, but he was knocked over and trampled to death. As we open today's scripture, the peace Israel had enjoyed for a time has been shattered by the Syrian king and his army. They invaded Israel's capital city, Samaria, and slaughtered men, enslaved women, and left countless orphans. It was truly the darkest of times in the kingdom, but things were only going to get worse. The Syrians set up an outpost nearby that allowed them to come back again and again to attack, pillage, and kill. Samaria was plunged into severe famine that even the most unpalatable foods like donkey heads and dove dung were worth their weight in silver. One day, as the king walked along the wall of the city, a woman cried to him for help. Though he could not help her, he asked what her trouble was. Her answer revealed that desperation was so high that some had turned to an unthinkable evil. This woman told the king that she and another woman had agreed to boil their babies and eat them. She had gone first, killing her own child and consuming him with the other woman. But now the other woman had hidden her child, refusing to hold up to her end of the agreement. Life has now lost all value in the face of such need and oppression. 
is such a sad commentary on the state of Samaria that mothers were sacrificing their own babies so that they could continue to live. This woman's story was too much for the king. He tore his clothes in anger and mourning. He had every reason to be angry and filled with sorrow, but what happened next revealed how misdirected his anger was. He vowed to kill Elisha, God's prophet, that very day. He was sure it was Elisha's fault that all of this was happening. In effect, he was blaming God for these circumstances. Elisha was just the closest target. So he sent his commander to bring Elisha out of his home and murder him. And when the commander could not get Elisha to come out, he grew frustrated and in his frustration revealed that just like the king, he blamed God for what was going on. We read his words in 2 Kings 6.33. The messenger came down to him and said, The trouble is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Before we judge the king and his commander too harshly, we might want to think and consider how we are often guilty of blaming God for other things. When things aren't going our way, or if life is in disarray, or some tragedy that we cannot explain has come upon us, do we turn to God for help and wait on Him and trust in Him, or do we blame our problems, our troubles, our struggles, or accuse Him in ways that are unconscionable? God had not caused this trouble. It was the Syrian army, the enemy, who had attacked and taken Samaria. God was not the source of their trouble, but as Elisha was about to tell them, God would be the source of their rescue. He told the commander that the very next day, food would come through the gates of Samaria. Barley, flour, and even gold would enter the gates. The commander scoffed at this promise. He wasn't just being doubtful, he was being unbelieving. And his lack of faith or no faith was going to cost him. Elisha told him that what he said was true and that the commander would see it with his own eyes but never taste it for himself. And just as Elisha the prophet said, God provided. Four lepers who lived outside the walls ventured into the Syrian camp. They supposed that they would either receive food or a swift death, and either would be welcomed outcomes. But as they entered the camp, they found it empty. God had sent a mighty wind and a thunderous noise to strike fear and confusion into the enemy, and they had all fled, leaving behind what? Flour, barley, and gold. The four men initially planned to keep it all to themselves, but God moved in them, and they ran to Samaria to tell the king. And just as God had promised to Elisha, the next day, barley, flour, gold entered the gates of the city. Rescue had come in the most unlikely and supernatural of ways. This was the work of God. The commander at the gate saw it all, but in a sudden rush of people, that man was trampled underfoot and died. We may never know or understand why bad things happen to us. It's an ancient question, isn't it? Why do bad things happen to people? Why is there suffering? Why are there tragedies in life? We've wrestled with these kinds of questions for thousands of years. But here's what we know. We know that God loves us, that God is working always in our behalf to those of us who know and love him. Romans 8.28 in the New Testament says, For we know that God is working all things together for the good to those who love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. Yes, God is good. He does good. 
and he's working all things together for good to those who trust in him. Dear God, we thank you for your word to us today. It's a very hard story to read, and we admit that we don't often understand the reason for tragedy and pain. We can't understand why a woman would take the life of a precious child. But we thank you that always you are there for us with mercy and grace to provide for us and our needs, that you are working all things together for our good and your glory. Help us to believe in you, even when we don't see our way through, that we look to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's Bible in a Year podcast. I'm Jack Graham from Dallas, Texas. Download the Pray.com app and make prayer and Bible study a priority in your life. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with someone you love, share it with a friend, pass it on because this podcast can make a huge difference in people's lives. I'm hearing wonderful stories of the impact of God's word as a result of listening to Bible in a Year. And if you want more biblical resources, resources from God's Word that will enable you and assist you in your walk with God, then be sure to visit jackgraham.org. That's jackgraham.org. God bless you. This episode is sponsored by MediShare, an innovative healthcare solution for Christians to save money without sacrificing quality. Welcome to the Pray News Podcast, where hope is our only bias. Each day, we'll unpack the most prominent stories happening in the news and offer a Christian perspective. We won't shy away from the hard topics, and we won't dilute the hopeful message of Christ. This is more than a daily brief on the news. It's a way to be informed and transformed. Listen to Pray News on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.